The information contained within this podcast is general in nature and should not be construed as advice nor substituted for qualified professional counseling or mental health therapies. If you are genuinely in need of deeper assistance, please seek the advice of qualified professionals. Welcome to the Unpacking Grief podcast with Drew Marriott and myself, Ian P.F. McDonald. Join us as we delve into what grief is, how it can differ for each of us, and how we can explore techniques for healing and growing to help both you and those around you in processing grief. Hi, and welcome back to Unpacking Grief podcast with myself, Ian P.F. McDonald. And Drew Marish. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. It's always good to see you. Same here. Same here. Wow. So... We got our first episode recorded. We got to look at it earlier today. And I did want to say a few things. I hope that the audience will get to know us more and more each week. Um, authenticity was always a big theme. And um, we want to honor that in each other and and just say that, uh, I mean, what you're watching is a work in progress. It's being produced literally with love and compassion for the listeners and the folks out there who are living through grief. So I wanted to just be mindful and mention that. And on that note, um, we have actually just moved across to the Anchor platform for podcasts. And there is actually a facility there for people to leave us a voice message. So if you are going through something and you'd like to connect or if you'd like to, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll just leave it open because sometimes you feel cold to reach out to people. And if you're feeling cold, jump onto our Anchor homepage and reach out to Drew or myself or both of us. Um, cause we would actually like to know what people are going through and what works for them. Cause as you said, it is a process, right, Drew? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. It's very personal, uh, very specific to each individual. So the first episode I did mention there was just taken on a bunch of information and, and just trying to, to fill, um, occupy my mind and, and really search out information that could help me. And, and one of the things that I learned is, um, in terms of healing, uh, on, on multiple dimensions, a lot of folks just say, you know, they, they hit it all together and bundle it and say, well, I have grief and uh, now I have to deal with it. And how do I go about doing that? And um, one of the ways that I that worked for me was uh, learning that um, they're on three dimensions and I look at them in order emotionally, certainly, right? Because when that grief is introduced in that moment, that's all you feel is that visceral emotional reaction. Um, and it's ushered in its sorrow. It's, it's extreme sorrow and grief. Um, it could also be tempered with some inappropriate, uh, emotions as well. Um, I will you know, say I, in my case, yes. Can I, uh, tell me more about inappropriate? Cause that's a really interesting point you made is perceivably inappropriate, but when they come organically like that, at a level, they might be appropriate as well, right? Yeah, it's it's a thought process, and for me, having you know thought you know thinking back to my last the last time I saw my son, um, early in the morning, you know, not everyone's a morning person. You know, we were just kind of doing our thing, being boys, and and uh, he was on his way out the door, and unfortunately, we had, we had some words, nothing too intense, but. Uh, you know, he was having a rough start to his day, and and uh, certainly I understood that. And uh, he uh, he he took off on his bike, and and nothing that dramatic that it, I think it would have affected his you know performance and stuff. But having had that exchange and have that be the last, um, and not have it be the you know the interaction with your son that you would want, 
um, it, it was trying for a while. So I decided to play the game where I heaped a lot of guilt on myself and that um, potentially I um, affected his mood and perhaps I had a hand in um, some way what happened. So that, when I came to learn over time, and it didn't take too long, I didn't beat myself up over it for too long, but, but guilt is, is really easy to slip into, um, not just with the incident, but also through your process. Um, feeling guilty if you may not be responding a certain way, or if you don't feel that you're in your grief the way you should, um, contextually. Can I ask you about that? Because my dog was run over because we live on a very small street. Um, for those who missed episode one, my my little boy that I lost was a dog. So it's a completely different experience. But my bond with him was special in my way. And as you're saying this, um, he was off leash. We have a very small street. Everyone on the street knows each other. We have each other's numbers. It's a very small street and we know every car that comes up here. And, you know, I listened as I came down the stairs that day. The dog wasn't on a leash, you know, because I had such a familiarity with the street. And we are literally one street from the, uh, one or two houses from the end here. And it's a single lane, which means that like if two cars come, you know, they have to struggle to get through. And I don't know if I'm through exactly what you're talking about, where that couldn't have happened if he was on a leash, you know? Mm-hmm. And Or, yeah. you don't know that. No, and as we talked as well about Zach, we maybe have these exit points, and like you're saying, like if it wasn't that, maybe it would have been something else, but, you know, I still blame myself, and it's not conscious, but it's it's there, so just wanted to relate to you on that because I, I know it. Mm. Yeah. And, and part of that, um, part of reconciling that piece for me was, um, surrender and, and recognizing that my approach and my interactions with him and, um, despite what I knew for all intents and purposes, um, I could have put sand in his gas tank. I could have sabotaged, um, something that he was falling in love with. And, and I, I could never do that to him to see a smile when he came into the house after a day of riding in the sun and you know, with his friends. And there was an element of pride that I'd never seen before and, and would never want to diminish. Um, but, you know, once I came to realize that I had surrendered and I let go and I was at peace with whatever, um, was going to unfold. Um, I think that from my standpoint, um, allowed his passing to unfold. And this is deep and maybe hard to get your head around unfold in the, in the most beautiful way possible. Uh, I mean, think about it. He's going down a, a busy four lane road. Um, he was the only, he was the only vehicle involved. It was a one vehicle, um, accident, um, with no other collateral damage to him or others. Um, the fact that again, somebody was there that, uh, was able to pray over him and, 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 and be with him and, um, and do his part 
in, in those moments uh, was, was big for me. So um, that helped me really resolve that piece, just knowing that I allowed him to live his life and, and um, do what he was called to do, um, despite all of my hesitations. Uh, so there's anger. Um, anger comes into play and a lot of, you know, anger with the bike, you know, there's, there's anger from other people who don't quite understand. They want to be angry at something. They blame the bike. You know, again, I can't, I can't, um, tell people how to react. Um, you know, just in my case, uh, again, it was a progression over time where I wasn't quite there to say it was the bike's fault, but the images and, um, his videos that he took on his GoPro, it took some time before I can actually sit back, breathe, and, and go into that. Do you mean do you mean watching the crash? Not watching the crash, but watching some of his videos. Like he documented everything, like his little test rides and when he was tuning up the bike and he'd come back and, and talk through, you know, he would change he changed the brakes and he videotaped it and talked through it. Um, so stuff like that. And, and, um, folks just sometimes in their processing of grief need to be angry at something. Um, and then fear, um, you know, just a matter of what that triggers within you in terms of your other close, um, bonds and relationships and the fear of loss. So. Um, I'd love to those are, dig into some of these themes. Like you've mentioned so many themes and they're all a topic of discussion all on their own. You know, the, the redirected anger or misdirected anger, um, which is blame. You know, we have hmm. a unique society nowadays where blame is way too prevalent and it, it shows up in a noticeable fashion in this kind of incident. Um, what was the learning for you? I know what my learnings are. Like for me, I blame me you know, but how did blame, I guess, what was the interaction with blame, both outwards and inwards, giving and receiving? Again, it's for me and, and maybe for you, um, it's anecdotal, but it was coming to terms with, you know, when you go through something and you blame somebody else, um, that's one part of growth. Then when you look at that same situation and you blame yourself, you take that on, right? That's a growth where you're not pointing the finger, you're taking a, you know, accountability um, for, this, for this fault and for these feelings. And then there's the last, right, which is the most optimal, and, and that's it's nobody's fault. It's truly nobody's fault. Um, this unfortunate accident was not his fault, was not the bike's fault, was not mine. Um, and, and that was a very compelling realization for me that, that kind of helped to take the next step of processing and, and the dimensions of healing and, you know, psychologically. Once, once I isolate the emotion, you know, now I approach it and, and tactically and, and how to resolve it. Um, were there any, um, I mean, I know that there's surprises in what we go through. A lot of what we go through is very unexpected when it's so large as this. But were there any surprises, you know, without 
making it sound like anyone did anything wrong, but from the periphery, from the crowd, from the you know audience at large, the other people who knew Zach, were there any ways of processing which struck you as unusual or made you feel uncomfortable that were really they made they they made it more difficult than made it easier. I know a lot of people try and help, but sometimes the way that they approach can be very interesting. You know, it's we all have very different worldviews, and at times like this, they become very apparent because what is endeavouring to help mm-hmm. can sometimes be received as, "Where are you at that you think that would help?" Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's there's that translation yeah. you have to make sometimes. So leveling that field. Um, I was fortunate to not encounter that uh, much at all. Good, good. There was perception that, you know, uh, people would make heartfelt comments when I would post his pictures. And when I got around to posting his videos of the motorcycle, his his photos and his leather jacket and his helmet on and the big smile, um, I was mindful of the triggers to the audience uh, that other people weren't where I, where I was at. Uh, and and that goes back to what I was saying before in terms of competition. Um, you know, I, I don't sit here and, and, you know, think I corner the market on, on the grief and, and, uh, and loss of my son. He had so many relationships and somebody may be struggling and processing that, um, certain aspects of it but yeah there were there were photos that i posted and, and and folks would comment you know oh the bike and that would be it um i don't think they had much insight to the to the behind the scenes how it developed you know it's just one day he ended up with a bike and 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 that was pretty much uh you know hmm. that was it so i've uh I'm, i've been riding I mean, technically, since I was seven years old was the first time I rode my most motorcycle by myself, and it was a friend's Wee 50 dirt bike in the backyard, and, you know, ever since it's been sheer passion. So I, I get where he was at and what it, it does for you. It gives you a sense of identity when you get that love. Um, but the thing that I've heard the most as a rider is exactly the things that you're hearing about the bike and saying... You know, it's it's not something that I think anyone doesn't know when they get on the bike. Um, most of us, when we have these moments, you know, we get up and walk away embarrassed. And it's heartbreaking to see that that wasn't the case for Zach because, you know, learnings should be learnings. And on a bike, they're real learnings. They kick your ass. You learn it once and you don't do it again because usually you realize the severity. And, you know, he went straight to 11 on that meter and, Hmm. Um, when it comes to how you connect with your son for those who don't know us um, we both sort of work in the uh, realms of I guess energy and spirituality when it comes to who we are as people we're both uh, very spiritually minded not necessarily denominational for me is it for you? Huh? No, those are things that, you know, kind of broke down over the time. I identify proudly uh, as a Byzantine Catholic. I wear a cross from communion, but as it plays out in the day to day, it's, I'm in a different 
Yeah, and the more I research into who Yeshua or Jesus was, the more I realize that all of the religions are basically just, you know, following a different version of the exact same person. So it's it's really all one. But the more I dig into that, the more I start to see that the other side is there. It absolutely is that there are guides around us and science will never be able to prove it. So the scientific-minded listening might be like, oh, I don't believe in that. And you're right, because we will never be able to prove it, apparently, because that's undetectable to science. It's non-physical. But if any of you out there do believe in that, going through this process, going through what I've gone through this last two years, like there absolutely is another side, and they are there, and it is a lot less suffering than we have here. And I know you've had experiences with that, Drew, um, <clears throat> where rather immediately afterwards... I mean, you told me you, you could sense him really quite soon. Yes. Uh, we did do a, a medium session early on, probably a month or so after. And, and as was explained to me, the younger male um, souls tend to come through stronger. And the time that we spent together in that hour... Uh, I heard everything that I needed to hear. It kind of married with everything that I had independently found out, uh, you know, at Ground Zero and, and other stories that I had heard. I mean, just so many different connections. His best friend, our neighbor down the street, a friend of his was the EMT who responded at the scene and um, was able to give Kevin his own assurances that, you know, what he found and how it played out was um, in his best interest in terms of how uh, medically he, he found him and how they were able to get him. They were there within minutes and got him off to the hospital, but uh, it, it, it seemed bleak to him as the EMT early on. So, um, but there were things that were shared with us and, and unfortunately it's, it's a slippery slope when you, submit to that uh, side of things and, and mediumistic and, and connecting with loved ones. And um, it's scary for people and, and I don't blame them. Um, it's not for everyone. Uh, I wouldn't encourage anyone to do it who wasn't fully prepared uh, to go through that uh, experience. But for and, me... And called to it as well. If you're not feeling yeah. called to it, be honest with yourself about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there may never come a time where you decide to, you know, use other tools. Um, and it's not to say that your loved one, you know, I was told, again, something very powerful with a thought. With a thought. Your mother, your father, my son are with us. And um, she, the medium, explained the scene of his uh, celebration of life. Um, and picked out just, you know, just some details and not that I needed those things to believe. I mean, I went in open heart, um, but it gave me everything I needed. Um, so I picked up everything that was behind me, brought it forward, got my footing and then continued to, uh, to push ahead. And, um, you know, even to when I think you were interaction with me and when you shared that just kind of impromptu um you know we were on facetime in my uh, kitchen here 
And when you said that you saw Zachary behind me on the steps and felt him, I mean, I, uh, I remember your face. I, remember, I mean, you clutched your chest and uh, you uh, shared some pretty interesting guidance from him. That's yeah. yeah, a, a unique feeling. I feel like uh, in my belief, and again, I'm only speaking from this body as this soul, and I have no idea what other people's experience are. But, you know, I always believe that everyone can do this. If we have the willingness, if we have the the dedication and the ability to really lean into love, because love is absolutely the underpinning energy of all of this. You know, it's really the building blocks of what we are. And in a world like we live right now, it's mm-hmm. really easy to forget love and when we talk love, usually we think of Disney princesses and Rapunzel hair coming mm. down towers and all that sort of, forgive me. Romanticized. Yeah, yeah. It's Commercialized. It's essentially a guised form of lust, youthful lust. And then, oh my mm. God, I can have him and like there's this, there's this, we'll be together forever. You know, fairy tale romantic love. But when we're really talking about love, it's it's that unconditional love that I hear you have or had, or still have, for Zach, <laughs> which is, you know, this bike, yeah, it scared you, but you're like, I can't, I can't take that smile off his face, I can't impose any resistance here, this kid is like loving this, <laughs> and it's making him into a man, and, you know, that, that connection with unconditional love, if anyone out there is in their own bereavement, and is wondering if they can make that connection, as one medium to a potential other, that means you, everyone out there, there's a little exercise that I do to get people into their heart space. And it's really simple. And can I do it with you now, Drew? And then people at home. Yes, absolutely. We've done it before and I'll be a willing participant. Cool. So don't skip ahead and just give the answer. So how are you doing? I'm great. (laughs) Yeah, good. So if you are listening at home, whatever you answered, that's the correct answer. It's absolutely correct. But that answer typically comes from our intellect. It comes from our brain. It even actually comes from our habituated responses. That's why we say the same thing every time. I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Or whatever it is for us. It's not actually a truthful answer. And the truthful answer won't come from those places. It'll come from your heart. So everyone, if you want to jump in on this one, because it will connect you. So you will be able to start to hear the whispers and feel their thoughts, feel their messages coming through to you. There you go. So... Relax into it. Take that big, deep breath. Close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself, don't say it out loud, but I want you to ask yourself honestly and vulnerably what your heart truly, truly feels in your heart. So as you settle into that moment, I know for me, it was actually a little bit of a surprise that all of my sadness about Teddy, my little dog, my little boy, presented itself. That's what came through for me in this moment. What, mm. what came for you? Um, f- fullness. Fullness. Feeling full. Love. I love that. Seems, Connected. Seems like you're here for me more than I'm here for you now. <laughs> Two years later after the, the trauma that started my little... Wow. <laughs> Or no coincidences. No, sure. and you know, I feel fraudulent at times. I got to say, like, there's that imposter syndrome where you've lost your son, and then mm. I have a trauma which is 
a dog and sometimes in the world people be like you don't know what parenthood is like it's just a dog and i'm i'm i mean i'm in agreement with that i don't have a human baby there's a lot more intricacy and communication and and you know interaction in other ways but when it comes to a dog they're like the ultimate teachers of unconditional love and that dog was my first experience of that so Mm -hmm. you know he was no matter what happened he was always like let's go do something fun you know and (laughs) i haven't had many friends like that in my life you know they get down like the rest of us so that's for sure i just wanted to share that quick one because um if anyone is listening to this podcast because it's found its way to you been called to you or you it and you are wondering if your your loved ones are there I can guarantee you they absolutely are the veil is thin but it's it's also made up of your belief and your ability to be able to hear them and being in your heart space so do everything you can to take deep breaths meditate get into your heart space I know you've had a lot of success with meditation true I do a lot of different things and experiment um, you know, I find in my normal waking moments, um, I just sink into a meditative state you know, without much preparation. It's not always the sit on the floor, legs crossed, pillows, that sort of thing. And you did also, uh, with your um, exercise, there was another piece to it that I remember where there was the elevator um, that when we were starting, uh, you were also visualizing that elevator, being in that elevator and, and going down and uh, physically um, experiencing from the heart how you yeah. felt. Absolutely. Um, so, and for anyone at home, whatever metaphor works for you to that thought process that most of us hear, it's all head, it's all cerebral. So if you're hearing the voices and the thoughts like you always do every day because we've been trained that way through school and society, just think, all right, well, what is the very, very quiet whisper of the heart? Is, and whether it's an elevator, fireman's pole, whatever needs to slide you down to that heart space. Right. You know, just just sink into it. And as I think it's Dr. Joe Dispenza who says this, he goes, when you ask your heart, it always answers concisely and in a really short response. If it can do it in a one-word response, it will. It, it doesn't mess around. It gets straight to the point because it knows how it feels and that's who you truly are. It's that little spark in there that really knows everything about you. The brain is giving you all the confusion, stress and lies, you know. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I I would say that there's a there's a story that I'm not sure I even got to share with you, but um in that in that medium, um, that quick riff that we had, um, Zachary's message for me was, uh you may or may not remember it, was um you saw us taking a trip, uh, my, my wife and I. It um, wasn't my wife at the time, but uh, it was two, three hours, and you went northwest. And Zach said, take the girl and make it special. And um, I had shared with you that I had already, the previous day, made reservations to go away just for the weekend, just two, three days, do some hiking at the... Um, Ricketts Glen, it's, um, it's a state park near us with a lot of waterfalls. And, and uh, so it was, it was a nice drive, a nice place in the lake. And it had a theater. So I had I purchased um, you know some of her favorite snacks. And that was the making it special in my mind. But what I didn't know was going to happen 
that when I allowed my heart to just kind of take over, we had a quiet, um, you know, hour or so just on the dock after our day of hiking and before a session with Scott Tajarian um, on uh, our sinistry. And I was just over overcome with this uh, feeling, and I, I spun around, no ring, and uh, got on a knee and told her that I, Deanna, her, I told my wife that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And uh, it was met with uh, much enthusiasm and and uh, and fanfare and uh, mutual feelings. But the interesting thing was, um, her and I met in king- kindergarten. Um, we were in grade school together, and then I left our high school early, and we hadn't seen each other in 35 years. Come to find out that um, when Scott did a, as a gift to me, when Zach passed, he did a parent-child reading for me. So he has now um, my chart, Zach's chart, Deanna's chart, and comparing Deanna's chart and Zach's chart, uh, they share the same primal triad. That's the, the sun, the moon, and the... And the ascendant. ascendant. Yeah. And mathematically, odds-wise, the chances of that are not astronomical. It's about 1 in 1,024. Um, the statisticians can check my work on that. But the, 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 the mind-blowing thing was um, they were one degree off on the sun. They were one uh, exact on the moon. Wow. And they were just a few degrees off on the ascendant. Um, and the odds of that were one in literally tens of millions. Uh, so for the listeners, we should actually also state, how did she come back into your life? We had reconnected uh, on Facebook, as everyone does, it Is seems. This after uh, Zach? The, uh, no, the year before, um, we were each um, different, different timelines. And um, when news you know got out and i shared with my um social network and stuff um, deanna was one who just seemed to get it right in terms of um, what to say when to say it uh, it was very genuine and again having not seen her in 35 years um, it was a uh, it was a pretty big deal to me and so when we saw each other again it 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 clicked she um you know she gave me uh she's very gentle she just and and when when i sit for you and i sit with the audience and try and explain these aspects of my healing um the last thing i want to say or can say in good conscience is that i did this on my own we never do it alone um i would hope that you don't do it on your own um deanna came at a time and i and i am firmly convinced that you know again the spiritual and 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 the miracle gift from my son um that he said his soul you know basically soul twin yeah to to kind of come and um look after me in his uh, absence so i think it also speaks volumes about your ability to recognize that guidance i mean miracles are there for everyone um you know, that's one example of my miracle. Um, but the signs and all of the books and, you know, the cardinals, the pennies, they're very specific to everyone. And, and sometimes 
they're just not paying attention. So while you're healing, pay attention. Yeah. Um, ask have for you something. Read Laura Lynn Jackson's book, Signs, by the way? I have. I have. You have. Yeah. It was a beautiful yeah. gift. Um, and I loved it. Uh, and I passed it on to someone else. Fantastic. Uh, Good. That's yeah. the thing yeah. to do. I mean, someone like you, I knew you'd read it and be like, I already kind of knew this. <laughs> You know, you know it doesn't hurt to go back and uh, and you, you only know what you know. And, and when you come at things at different angles uh, or at different times where you're at, you know, in your in your process, you, you, you do have an ability to, to maybe call out a few things that you did not see before. Um, it's it, again, it's just an ongoing uh, process. It's it's not one that is. Um, certainly manic you go through your days and and you deal with whatever emotions come so honor those emotions whatever they are I, I, there was a saying that uh, it's okay if you laugh more than you cry on any given day um, and and I, and I want to encourage people to, to, to try and, and allow themselves to you can be happy you can those moments and just honor yourself. Nice. All right. Well, great place to wrap it up. Thanks for your time. Um, hopefully, some of you out there listening are getting a lot out of this. I know that, uh, you know, having people like Drew and myself, you know, we, we both have shown up for each other in different ways. This is an important part of this process to so never forget. And if we're a part of that process, we're very grateful to have been able to be found by you and uh, maybe share us to your friends if they're also in the same place. I'm Ian McDonald. Drew Marish here. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on Unpacking Grief. If this podcast is helpful to you, then please subscribe and consider helping others to find us by rating us five stars on your podcast platform of choice and by sharing us with your friends and family directly. You can contact us and keep up to date on Instagram at UnpackGriefPod. If you'd prefer, video versions of all episodes are available on Spotify and YouTube. And if you have any questions, suggestions, or would like to find any of our recommendations, you can do so on our website, unpackinggriefpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.